This is the Drunken Comedian Podcast with your host, Matt Hoss. Hello and welcome to episode 4 of the Caffeinated Comedian. What? Remember that? We, it still happens every now and then. Uh, yeah, welcome to another episode of the Drunken Comedian Branch. Uh, and I am absolutely delighted to have a wonderful and very poignant guests on today's show, uh, we have the amazing Hal Branson. But before we get into that, how about I tell you who I am? I'm Matt Hoss, and uh, um, that's all I have to really say. Uh, if this is the first time you listen to this, um, welcome to the show. Uh, this is the show where typically I would interview a comedian over a, a pint or um, a couple of martinis or whatever, and the conversation would be quite organic, and I would interview them about comedy. Uh, that is the same concept as what we're about to do in a second, which is the caffeinated comedian, where we don't drink. Same concept, but over coffee instead, because... You know, sometimes drinking isn't cool, you know. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, you bloody swine. But anyway, this is a really fun interview, but it also has a lot within it as well. A lot of chat, a lot of jokes, a lot of accusations, which uh, we'll get into in a sec. Uh, so it's an interview with me and Hal Branson. And if you don't know Hal, Hal is uh, quite wildly regarded as a very nice, lovable and... A fierce comedian on the, in the northeast circuit. He does a lot of uh, acting work as well, and he's regarded as, as a really good comic in the area. And uh, if you ever had the chance to see him, which you will do, because you're going to be listening to the very end of the show, he's a very um, he's a very all-encompassing and very uh, he's a performer that draws you in, and he's very watchable. Uh, but within this chat, we chat about all manner of stuff. Firstly, we talk about his Edinburgh show. We talk about um, the, the Edinburgh concept, which is uh, his showing at his debut show in Edinburgh, where he talks about his um, his trip to Africa and how uh, that modelled his life and how it helped him mentally as well. Um, we also talk about how posh he is. We talk about his mental health. And on top of that, as a little cherry on, on this uh podcast pie um we have uh, uh joby mcgeehan the star of uh, episode 19 of the drunken comedian podcast he pops in as well because we're at the stand newcastle he swings by and he features in the first little bit of the chat uh, i'll chat a little bit more at the end of the show um about some other bits and bobs but here is Hal branson i hope you enjoy it caffeinated comedian Caffeinated comedian. Yeah. Caffeinated. Yeah. <laughs> There's even a different <laughs> jingle for it. Have you seen that? I've already done your um, signature for you. Yeah. Well. Well. Should we have a look at this now? There's, um So. What? I every every podcast I get someone to do a live signature. However, um, I've got. I, I, do you know what? I've just recently developed a new signature. See, this is why I find it fascinating because like it's, it's a it's a talking point no one else is really digging into. I've but always done the same one, and then recently I was like, I'm going to develop a new signature, and I've done. And people say you have too much time. When you're <laughs> Careful. Right, uh, I'm going to go. I'll let you do. No, you, you can come in if you want. You can, you... How how hates it when I steal his. his... Thunder. Okay, uh, you have. Uh, how about for I mean, a minute? I like the fact you implied I have thunder to steal. <laughs> <laughs> that was the nicest thing you ever said to me. 
Anyway, welcome to the podcast. Um, welcome, Hal Branson. Hello. And we have a special guest, Joby McGeehan. We but- have a guest. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Joby is the star of episode 19, obviously. Why right, is this one? Oh, this is Caffeinated Comedian episode 4, so... Uh, yeah. Oh, you're not doing drunk? You, I thought it was a... Well, it, 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 is an, it's, it is the same show, but like it's on the same podcast, RS feed, but... Uh, it's just you know. It's Don't blind them with science, Hoss. <laughs> RSS here, yeah. SEO there. Oh, like uh, what's look, got caffeine in it? We're just a couple it? of lads having a couple of pints. Oh, Cheers. bloody, bloody Nora! Uh, I pour myself a water. Um, so we're, we're just kind of a nice little chinwag between the, the three of us. I said that as if I'm a gangster from <laughs> right chinwag. Yeah. So uh, how has both your days been so far? Do you want to go first? Well, I just spoke to Joby at about 3pm. Well, that was a lovely little phone chat, didn't we? Being at work, being shit. Oh, um, no. Uh, but I called a pal for 15 minutes, which got me call time up. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> and, uh, My day has been tolerable. Uh, yeah, it's busy. Loads to yeah. do. Spent the morning with my daughter in the park. Uh, spent the afternoon with your daughter in the park. <laughs> oi, oi! <laughs> um, so, oh, God, what am I even saying? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm just tired. And I'm about to miss the England match to go and host a Disney-themed quiz at number 28. Bob. Is it called Quizney? Sadly not. I can't believe no one went for it. Yeah, so, um, do you host many like quiz nights? Oh, is this like a one-off thing? Uh, like, you'll like, do any job. You'll do any job, mate. Are you, are you, are you offering? Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, no, I don't do it that much. I think Hal holds the market in Newcastle for non-comedy comedy gigs. Okay, he does more than anybody else of these. Like that is true. The, that the is Eurovision true, yeah. Song Contest. Uh, or yeah, host the Eurovision Song Contest. S- some awards for a call centre or whatever. It wasn't a call centre. It was for little run kids, tearaway kids, man. Little terror, little shit kids. <laughs> yeah, little shit kids. Little <laughs> <laughs> knackers. <laughs> it's the Northeast Youth Focus Awards <laughs> in the Baltic, and it's just a nice way of giving a little bit back and getting two hundred and fifty pounds. That is all. Like, that's every comedian who has ever done a charity gig. Like, I just want to give back to the community. Yeah. Plus expenses. Wait, it's, it's, it's not paid. Fuck you guys. <laughs> Fuck you, Mary Curie. <laughs> I also host the um, Great North Run um, Information Tent. That's a blinder of a game. <laughs> compare that. That's because someone who I'm not going to mention um, books the comedy spotters for the Great North Runs. So they have comedians on the finish line. Every yeah. year I want to get booked for it. Well, the first year I asked to get booked and he was like, no, no, it's f- fiddled up with people. <laughs> and uh, so he said, but they're looking for someone to do the PA on the, uh, on the sort of info tent. Yeah. <laughs> so I just try to do that funny. Yeah. But loads of it's like missing people or like, oh my God. heart attack. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, Alan the, Partridge. It's <laughs> um, yeah. cash. Yeah. Cash and hand, that gig. Really? Mm, quite good. a lot of it as well. <laughs> I love that. I'd love to. This is the difference of you doing something like play up, oh, and there's a rhino. <laughs> oh, watch out, guys! Oh, uh, S- Sandra is making her door. Oh, oh the, the, to- the tonal shift. So <laughs> <quite> <laughs> spectacular. Um, uh, Felicity has uh, lost her car keys. But look at Derek in the line suit! And, and her father to a heart attack <laughs> on the 11th mile. Please donate. Okay. Um, 
Okay, since having you both here, um, we kind of, on the last podcast, me and Joe, we kind of talked about uh, Mr. Shindigs, but why, why don't you talk about the... I need the... to go back and listen to that before. <laughs> I'm gonna... What do you mean you haven't listened to all the, all my podcasts? It's only he's not listened to one. I haven't uh, listened to a single one. Oh, no, that's not true. I listened to the comedian and children entertainer, Lee Kyle. Oh, that's yeah. One, yeah. That was a hard interview. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was quite brutal. Yeah. He, um... I, I mean, I thought there would be a gentleman's agreement where he wouldn't mention the fact that everyone knows you're a paedophile. <laughs> oh, I'm not a paedophile. That's not... A, that's that's not a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's coming into your podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's that's how Lee Carl works, though, isn't it? Because he, he'll be so he's so anarchic, and he's just yeah, he just he gets everywhere. That point, it's like sound. <laughs> so, but, I was not, thinking about starting a thing where we just call you the disgraced man, <laughs> <laughs> disgraced comedian, Matt <laughs> This is not good for my PR, is it? <laughs> Depends if your demographic are paedophiles, then you're going to... It's an market. Yeah, that is a joke. Um, do see the other podcast there. That, that, that's, uh, Context, listen to 85 episodes, <laughs> which is the best. I get so much abuse on that uh, nowadays. But, I know. But, um, but since having you both here... Um, how about you tell us, both of you together, um, how you started uh, uh, Mr. Shindigs and how you got that gig uh, running together and why you chose to work together? Well, we, well, let's chance it together. <laughs> we, it's we, this quick, like, we always finish each other's sandwiches, but it's as beautiful. Well, it was, to be fair, Mr. Shindigs started as a little sperm in Joby's ball bags and then he spunked it into my womb yeah. and now we're co-parenting. That first, yeah, yeah. So it was Joby's So basically, yeah. Joby was running it at a true coffee house, getting brilliant audiences, uh-huh. filling the place. Moved to the companies, <laughs> and uh, it just wasn't a hipster enough for for how. He's like, how can less people see this? <laughs> so they closed true coffee house because <laughs> they were technically squatting in there. I think. Yeah. No, the really? Yeah. The Cumberland is a, an amazing venue, and Joe, who runs it, is a bloody legend. And it's a really nice room to do comedy, and we've, and we've had some amazing nights in there. Mm-hmm. Audience sizes do fluctuate slightly, but the comedy is always top quality. I think it's on the up anyway. I think it's becoming a cool little thing. Really. Yeah, I mean, yeah. once this goes out, oh yes, mate. <laughs> watch, them, watch them flock. <laughs> Essentially, Lee Carl. Watch the nonsense flock. So I said, I don't know if I want to be a I'm not a paedophile. Right? I'm just saying that all of your friends. Fans are, and you just play to them sometimes. The more you scream, I'm not a paedophile, the more you fan the flames of these paedophiles. The paedophile. Yeah. The paedophile. This is not the podcast I wanted to do. Sorry, right, I promise it's okay. I will not mention your sexual predilection for children for the remaining 30 minutes. I remember. Um, we were at the stand together and we were, t- we were having a joke about the paedophile thing yeah. and then uh, apropos of nothing I was like oh I thought I'd ask a genuine question I was like oh how how's your daughter doing and I was like no that's, that's <laughs> it was your yeah your bloody Freudian sideways <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but yeah um, so uh, I did want to like kind of tap into that because um, uh, how has comedy changed for you since becoming a father I'm uh, just more tired yeah <laughs> Uh, uh, how has it changed? I just, uh, yeah, I, I, not nothing massively. I do start. I have started doing loads of stuff in my club set about being a dad, which mm-hmm. I'm always reticent to do because there's nothing worse than comedians talking about being 
Mm. Like parents, it's just fucking yeah. interminable. It's not what you want to hear during the Great North Run. Now you might have lost your child. <laughs> <laughs> I'll head over to the information tent. Did I mention I'm a dad? Like um, <laughs> the most awkward segues ever. Yeah, I mean it is. Uh, I mean on a practical level, it is shit if you get in at one in the morning and then you're woken up at quarter past seven by a 50 month old child pushing bananas into your mouth <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh that got me because <laughs> 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 this, this genuinely happened it was a slice of banana it was the most unphallic fruit <laughs> slice um, yeah but um, yeah that's the main way I suppose yeah. I do talk quite about it on set and try and do like funnier jokes than just the standard sort of complaining about having children because I'm not complaining I really genuinely enjoy it um, so you mentioned you were reticent to actually do this material though but like mm. um, what made you reticent to begin with did you see a lot of comedians being like oh it just kids, felt eh? like really hack to be like yeah. you know it's like comedians sort of headliners in their 50s complaining <laughs> about how much they hate their wives and you're just like oh fucking leave her <laughs> just get a divorce <laughs> just get a divorce if she's that terrible yeah i really love my yeah. wife and I love my daughter there was a few jokes I was doing about there was one joke I was doing which was, it wasn't even the best about how my daughter was the most beautiful amazing adorable mistake I'd ever made <laughs> and sort of it gets laughs and then I'm like it's not true though it's yeah. not like she wasn't a mistake at all it was quite the opposite um, quite planned with almost <laughs> military precision um, uh, so um yeah, so that that was my reticence that I didn't want it just to be hack material. Yeah. But I think some some of the jokes I've got in it, I do genuinely <coughs> like doing, and some of them are kind of anecdotal <coughs> of things that have really happened, mm-hmm. uh, like an experience uh, ex- being around women breastfeeding and not really knowing where to look to both show my support. Yeah. On the one hand, and also not come across as a filthy tit pervert. Yeah. On the other, you'll know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't love you. You're such a nice boy. Anyone listening, a genuinely lovely heterosexual. It's a man. really nice filthy tit pervert. <laughs> Do you know that gig you're talking about? It was a red roll, wasn't it? Was that the one where you managed to get that girl's number? Yeah. Uh, what, what happened at that gig um, was actually. Uh, so um, I, I I chatted to this girl in the audience and uh, I, I usually do some kind of faux flirt and like hey you guys single mm. but and then usually the joke is that they kind of like don't respond. Um, however, there was this one girl like yeah I'm single I'll, I'll be up for meeting up with you afterwards. So I was like well I've never planned for this before this is crazy. Like after it was her friend her friend pimped her out. Was my oh. she's like she's a vegan she's single she'll have any cock in her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then afterwards I gave her my phone number. And then she was like, come here. And uh, we, we made out in front. Because she was at the front and we uh, had a kiss. And everyone started cheering off like, during the interval as well. It was really weird. Uh, it was, you got more, I think, response for that. <laughs> 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 my entire set. I bring it to all my gigs now. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about just being a kisser. For you. <laughs> <laughs> a kisser. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, well, I'm going to have to shoot off, I think. No worries. Thank you for coming uh, onto the podcast again, Joby. Uh, no, I'm uh, going to do every single one now. Please, <laughs> I would love that. Yeah, well, He's going to <laughs> um, It was kind of nice because you were like heckling how as well. It was lovely. Joby's yeah. here because he left his bag at Mr. Shin. It was his birthday on, <gasps> on Thursday yes. and we did a special Mr. Shinnick's birthday. We screened the match and Joby left his bag so he's come to collect that. Oh. And the door takings, which... Yeah. We're, we're not wanting to 
to disclose the figure, but let's just say it's a hipster amount. <laughs> let's just say the two and a half drinks are on me. <laughs> yeah. 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 But uh, thank you. Thanks for coming, man. It's all right, mate. See you soon, mate. Lovely to see you. Take care of yourself, man. Take care. Oh, thank God he's gone. Now we can really start chatting. <laughs> Family, now he's gone. So I am a paedophile, but. <laughs> <laughs> You're in a safe space now. Yeah. Um, so, Hal, I'm going to ask you some uh, kind of uh, normal podcast questions. Um, Please do. Describe your act in three words. Pile of shit. Pile of shit. No. Uh, okay, so this is what someone said the other day, and it is like I. They, after a preview, someone said you are at your best when you play the raconteur anecdotalists. Oh wow! Which I mean is the sort of the sort of cunty adjectives that you probably describe me best. And I was like. Oh, I was like, you, you know when you have that sort of dichotomy of like that's the nicest thing and the worst <laughs> thing that was ever said about me you know yeah, um, that, that's probably I'm not really a gag writer a lot of it is anecdotal or certainly has most of the basic truth that's probably more my style yes do you prefer doing those anecdotes or like uh, uh, did, or would you wish to be more of a gag writer well I think I'm still at a point in comedy where I spend far too much time comparing myself to other people, um, and you know that I know it's like the sort of horrible cliche of you know about finding your voice. But I think there is there is genuine something in that that you know you're never going to be you know you're always going to be what your style of comedian. So there's no point going yeah, but I can't write one yeah. line just like X, Y, yeah. or Z. Um, and so yeah I'm yeah I'm kind of happy with that I think it's where I'm best suited I'm not a particularly good joke writer yeah, yeah. Uh, and the times I've tried uh, they've just been fucking awful yeah so. I, I mean I, technically every joke I wrote now is a dad joke yeah <laughs> a lot of them do fall in that category and there's a few times I've gone out I was doing a bit a while ago about how I was going to win the um, best joke of the fringe because mm. last year the joke that won was um, I hate the new pound coin but then again I hate all change yeah, yeah. so I try to write these shit jokes and it was it was a kind of win-win because I'd frame it as well these are shit jokes you're not supposed to so if people didn't laugh I'd yeah. go well you're not supposed to laugh you, you, that's the correct response and yeah. then that would get a laugh um, but they were like really naff sort of uh, I'm trying to think of some of them um, and they're all the, yeah they're all like crap one line yeah. uh, they're remaking Superman starring Steve McQueen it's called The Greatest Cape that's <laughs> awful it's awful there's one about Alex Ferguson's autobiography and how I'd got an advanced copy and it was a brilliant man new script <laughs> it's, it's that dead eye glare at the end yeah, though isn't yeah. it that's, that's usually what gets the laughs yeah. is a stupid face because the, the face is like oh, I hate you I hate I, you I, and I hate myself I hate myself yeah. um, <laughs> but uh, you also mentioned your um you were you did that in Edinburgh, and you're doing your debut hour this year. I'm indeed, yes. Yeah, so tell us about Embolo. Is that, uh, is that correct? It is, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's best to say it's hard not to say it without sounding a little bit racist. Yeah, because I, I sound like Embolo because it's an African word. Yeah, um, well, it's a Ugandan word. Yeah, so it was, yeah, debut hour. It was I did uh, I split an hour in 2016 with the incredible Sammy Dobson who appeared um, on this podcast who has been on this podcast and is an absolutely lovely person I'm sounding like a sycophant now but I, I love Sammy too yeah, oh yeah, sure. um, I've done two Edinburgh compilation shows with her and 
that year I did a half hour show about when I got expelled from school and ended up working as a chambermaid at a small hotel <laughs> in he- near Hexham and the whole of the French football team came to stay at the hotel it was during oh ninety six. and so I was Zinedine Zidane's personal chambermaid oh my god and so I did a half an hour about that and I thought about expanding that to an hour and then I still might one day yeah um, but because uh, I didn't do that then my other idea was to do a show called uh, progress in work yeah <laughs> about all the jobs I've ever had mm. but it was one of those ones you know when you come up with the title and go oh progress yeah. in work work in progress oh, that'll be funny and then a few people I said it to went that was terrible <laughs> I literally had the same experience but the, the difference is that my show title is called work hoss and I think it's great but didn't we sit down and um, oh yeah <laughs> one night we got quite drunk and came up with I think I got a bit carried away and came up with lots of enema show titles for you, so, including one that was just called Bob Hoskins. <laughs> that was you reading out the script to all of Bob Hoskins' films. Yeah. There's the one Hossman of the Apocalypse. Um, uh, a Rolling Stone Gavis No Matt Hoss. That's good. Yeah, it is. That I, is actually I, good. I actually thought I might do, in the future, uh, do a show about like rock music, because I'm a massive rock fan, and oh, I'd love to do like a, a show about music. I think right. that's quite a good one as yeah. well. Uh, I want to talk about rock music now, but you've asked me about my debut hour, and I really should be trying to use this well, podcast to promote it. So we will promote it, but let's talk about rock music. We'll okay. come back to it. But like, uh, what's your favourite band? Well, see, I, I listened to a lot of rock music when I was in my teenage years. I went yeah. to see Guns N' Roses in Gateshead. Oh my god! <laughs> my dad chaperoning me. Yeah, it was Soundgarden, Faith No More, and Guns N' Roses. That's an amazing lineup, man. I, I mean, it was an odd one. I had this thing because I grew up in Hexham, which is quite a conservative. It's an odd place because it's, it's quite a, it's a conservative constituency. My parents were painfully liberal and middle class, but there was there's a lot of very very wealthy people, and I used to do this paper round delivering. Daily Mails, Expresses, yeah. Telegraphs to the sort of posh part of town, and but whilst wearing a long sleeve Pantera t-shirt that said <laughs> a vulgar display of power yeah. and fucking hostile yeah. that one sleeve, but I was the most polite boy yeah, ever. Yeah. So they have this incongruity of looking at me going, I can't believe he's wearing such a... Yeah. They had Phil Anselmo's face with like a punch yeah, in yeah, it, that, it's that but I'd be like, cover. morning Mr Jenkins, how are you? God, terrible to see what's happening in uh, Brussels. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, I, I liked all sorts really I, I mean a lot of it was probably a, quite a bit of teenage rebellion yeah yeah. I really like rock music I still listen to quite a lot of stuff but yeah, but, but yeah. what about you who's your favourite well uh, yeah I have loads of dip- I love a hard question to yeah yeah I love lots of different bands like um, I love uh, back in my teenage years I used to really love Metallica I'm still a, a big fan I've never liked Metallica what Metallica are great man have you seen Lars Ulrich's dad's like a human hobbit Oh, Google Lars Ulrich's dad. He's the weirdest looking man I've ever seen. That documentary about them. I quite like Lars Ulrich, but they just can't. Well, they don't. James Hetfield is a fucking prick. No, Enter Sandman. I remember loads of people were growing up when we were all in our little factions, and loads of my mates went to Metallica and like listening to Sandman. I was like, this is fucking shite. But then I'd listen to Bon Jovi. Yeah. You know what, Bon Jovi, as a teenager, I used to love Bon Jovi. No, yeah. However, I've got to think, in the last, like, in the last year or two, I've just been yeah. like, no, they're obviously terrible. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, like... I could listen to it out of nostalgia. I've got a photo of me yes, about yeah. 11 years old with a little blonde bob with a Bon Jovi New Jersey t-shirt on. Yeah. And I'd listen to it now and go, yeah, retrospectively... It's fucking terrible. So I watched. I remember when I was at university, I got really stoned and went. We were like, "Let's watch Spaceballs, man! That'll be so funny." It'll be so. Do you remember Space? And we got about twenty minutes in. Like, this is an absolute pile of shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like um, 
if you watch Star Wars when you're a kid, you quite like yeah, it. Yeah. However, you know, if you watch it when you're like 30 for the first time, it's yeah, like, well, yeah. this is obviously terrible. You yeah, know yeah. I mean? well, one of my first experiences of comedy, there's been a few, but I remember, if I slightly ashamed of me, but I remember being probably teen, 10, 11, 12 maybe, and Halen Pace being on the sketch show. Uh-huh. And I thought it was the funniest thing ever, because it was comedy and it was sketches and there was a lot of parody mm-hmm. of sort of TV ads and things like that. And, and I thought it was hilarious. And like, if I went back and watched now, it'd be, it'd be dreadful. Yeah. But it was, it was it, there's a nostalgia attached to it that, you know, that I enjoy. I've noticed I'm lying on the couch like I'm, you're my therapist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very intimate. I like it. Like, uh, it just happened very naturally oh, as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, but anyway, my get, you are. Yeah, getting back to uh, Mbolo. Um, yeah. Did you want to know the rough sort of yeah, tell top me, line? Why, tell, yeah, uh, yeah uh, tell so me the, about it. The, the story is, the, it's again, true story. Um, so I went to university in York, not the good one, the, the <laughs> Polytechnic in uh, the late 90s. And then um, I've been smoking weed since I was about 13, 14. And I finished, well, I failed my university degree. And then I had like one of my first sort of, I had depression for years, but I had the one night I just had this, what would probably be described now as a panic attack, but it was kind of like a breakdown. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. And I love the way you laughed at that. It's <laughs> horrible. It's cruel. Yeah, night. that's the worst thing I've done. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> look, I, I promised to go. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was horrible. I ended up like back at my mum's house and like, yeah. in, in a sort of psychiatric ward for a little bit. And, um, still sort of didn't think it was anything to do with smoking weed I think I stopped for a little bit and then just started smoking again and, and like there was I'd been taking drugs for years all sorts and you know my mum was just like well, I was living with mum but she was at a Whitton and she was like why don't you go out to Africa and do some some like voluntary charity work just to get some fucking perspective on mm. the fact that the world doesn't revolve around you you little shit um, and so I yeah went out to Uganda and did sort of I think it was like three or four months doing like a school building project and then travel all the way down to Cape Town and it's basically about that experience and it's looking at themes of like drug use depression yeah um, white saviour complex yeah, yeah the fact I went out to Uganda you know to try and solve my problems and theirs yeah yeah <laughs> and yeah. also within about three weeks of being there the fact I discovered you could buy an ounce of weed in Uganda for about a pound <laughs> so I ended up just getting absolutely <laughs> fucking baked on there smuggling it across like in, through borders oh across the Zimbabwe God. border that is it's, it's it's ridiculous I've got well if, if you come and see the show which I'd really love you to do you'll see a lot of it documented yeah. um, but that is, that's <clears> such a rich tapestry there because it's kind of obviously it's like a personal theme of you trying to you know get better and out of your yeah, funk yeah. Uh, also a younger you trying to get perspective uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but also as you're performing comedy you're also um, you're also casting your own insertions to your young self as well yeah. but, and that's all set in Africa as well yeah, yeah like, exactly. so there's so many layers to that already yeah, yeah I think I mean one of the things I've really struggled with is getting the tone right because on stage certainly I tend to play a, a, a sort of obviously extreme version of myself with these sort of delusions of grandeur and how I'm amazing mm-hmm. and shit and it's, it's walking a really fine line I think between I think but, well, like, I'm sure I can't speak for all comedians but I know personally I can because of my mental illness and whatnot that I'm <clears throat> obsessed with what people think of me and oh, thought yeah. people not liking me or, or, or getting the wrong impression is really hard so I'm, I've really struggled with finding the right tone so people go you know I'm joking about this like you know I genuinely went out to you and I genuinely had a lovely time and made loads of friends mm-hmm. but there's no way you can talk about doing a project like that without sounding like an absolute cunt so I've cranked up the cuntometer yeah. to make myself look I'm, 
I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but some of the stuff happened out there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I genuinely, I think I did something nice, but you, but you can't, it's so tainted with, uh, you know, when you start to unpick it and you realise you've paid this company in Newcastle a grand to go out there, but all the money doesn't go yeah. to them. Like, they're running a business. And yeah. It's, just, it's all, and there's lots of stuff happened. Uh, I don't want to give away too no. much stuff because I'm saving it for the show. Yes, but it's bloody hilarious. If you want to know some of the hilarious anecdotes... And also, at the moment, I'm writing the conclusion, which is, you know, I came back from Uganda and was still, like, actually towards the end of the trip, I got quite ill again and came back. And then, you know, since then, when was I was like 24, 25, 39 now, I still live with mental illness in the in the intervening years. I have stopped taking drugs, but um, I had another two nervous breakdowns back on a psychiatric ward twice, had a suicide attempt. Like, it, it, you know, I, and it's hard with stuff like that because I, I want it to be a funny show I don't want to do a mawkish show I don't want pity off the audience I'm not no. going to let a, a single tear yes. drop down because it's not about that and so striking the balance of how do you make sort of living with depression well I've got bipolar like how do you make that funny because there are definitely funny things yeah 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 and, uh, and I, I hate when people kind of go oh well you can't make a certain subject funny is it? but life in its all its fraught and its uh, distress there is this hilarity in there you know oh, yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. but I don't know I like just thinking out loud here like um, I think the way you just described that show now like yeah, yeah. Um, obviously there's sad bits in it however the way you just described um, the show it sound you've got like such a chestnut there and I think uh, if you're because I think you're being quite authentic there. I think if you display that to the audience, that will sell that as there well. There is a lot of truth in it. And, and there's a bit where I don't want to come across as disingenuous. I don't want to trivialise mental... Well, no. So the disingenuous bit is that I, I feel if I'm up there joking about it, people will go, oh, he's just one of these sort of people who's got depression because it's trendy. Or, or yeah. And so I have got a bit in my show where... Because I take medication. I'm on this um, mm-hmm. mood-stabilising medication. Um and so I got an app, uh, downloaded an app, so I can order my prescription. But I was on the app one day, and I noticed you can view all your medical records. Yeah. So I do show my medical records yeah. in it, and you can see them here. Yeah. But they're... So... Uh, <laughs> yes. So it's here. On severe mental illness register, bipolar affective disorder, suicidal ideation, neurotic depression, reactive type, suicide risk, overdose of drug, that was... Yeah. Neurotic depression, reactive type, cannabis type de- dependence, but then you'll see... Um, on the 10th of May just had some anal pain that's, yeah, that was a good day so there's a bit where I saw I wanted to show this because partly it's a good gets a good laugh the fact yeah. that anal pain was like oh thank god just a lovely bit of anal yeah. pain I'll a, take a it yeah. Pain, yeah. and to show that like it is a real thing and and I think there's loads of times I d- I'm at home in a like I'm in a terrible way and I can come out and I'm at the side of the stage having anxiety attacks and I can go out and kind of get through a gig like I much prefer I'm not like this but I can get through a gig and kind of put on an act mm-hmm. and you get a certain amount of adrenaline and if the audience are enjoying it I've certainly well, gigs when I'm ill are not as good because I forget stuff Yeah. but then I think then if I go home and oh you know then I, I, I think those people think oh he's, he didn't seem that he was jumping around and pulling face and all the rest yeah. of it but then you go well look at Robin Williams yeah, <laughs> you know, there's yeah. countless examples of people who yeah. So, do you think comedy is um, detrimental to your mental health? I think it, it can. It, I think it's again. I'm gonna probably use a parallel with drug use. In that, yeah. I'm I'm not in my show. I don't say that you should or shouldn't take drugs. I'm not. I'm not eulogising, yeah. and um, I'm not trying to t- tell people what they should and shouldn't do. I think if you use drugs, as I have done in, in times, to get high, and that's what you're looking for, it's great. If you're using them to get away from your problems, then. 
it's not it's not a good idea. I suppose the parallel with comedy is there are times when I put too much emphasis on a gig has to go well or I have to have had a good yeah. gig to feel okay. Yeah. Like because a gig goes well, I do come away going I feel okay. I'm a, I'm validated. I'm okay. I'm yeah. an okay person. Those people enjoy me and I have a role and a purpose without mm. getting too sort of heavy. No, <laughs> um, no, no. <clears throat> but um, feel the same, man. Uh, but yeah, there are times when if a gig goes badly, I'm getting a bit better now. But if I'm not well. It still, it used to affect me much worse. Uh-huh. Poor Beth, my yeah. partner. She, 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 because she sees it all, mm-hmm. and other people don't see it. But yeah, I've had, I've had bad gigs, and I think it's, it's, it's odd because comedy can. There's no simple answer to your question because it no, can be no. detrimental and it can be a brilliant thing. I think the healthiest thing probably is is getting to a point where you don't rely on a gig going well to feel okay about yourself. Yeah. And I know I've had a few gigs recently which haven't gone as well and I've been able to walk away and go, that didn't go as well for X, Y, or Z reasons. Some of them might have been mine. Mm-hmm. Some of them were like, I didn't, go, I hadn't rehearsed or I hadn't got any new stuff or I wasn't in it or perhaps the audience went into it and not blaming them but or, yeah, or, yeah. or myriad of factors that you know about gigs mm. where you go oh all the lights are on and there's yeah, no music yeah. playing and alcohol doesn't appear to be being served and, and I could be man. more rational now about going it's a, I'm a bit gutted because I haven't got that buzz of yeah. like a, a nice gig where people have laughed but at the same time I can go that's not on you and yeah and like yeah, because I say this is really serious. No, 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 no. It's uh, yeah, um, it's um, it's really nice to hear that side of it as well. But I, I do, I do think, yeah, I think it's kind of important to uh, realize when you can't win every gig as well. And I think yeah. you got to hit the fuck it button as well. Yeah, like yeah. you got to be, like, I don't care yeah, if yeah. this goes well. Uh, you should care. You should take pride in your work. And uh, yeah, be, yeah, and you're there to do a job. People are yeah. paying you. It's not like these are like if. You know, I've done gigs where you know you you'll have seen this, you walk in a room and go. Chances are, yeah. this is not going to go fucking well yeah. because there's nine people in the ballroom of a hotel. But that don't take it out on them. Yeah, they, yeah, they've exactly. paid their money. Oh, they yeah. want to be entertained, and quite often they will surprise you. Those gigs where you you know your heart sinks, then you go out and they're fucking well into it. And yeah, you're like, yeah, of course, man. You've paid to, to be entertained. It's my job to entertain you, and I'm gonna do my fucking best to do it. I'm gonna do my set how I would do it. Yeah, you know, with a obviously the the uh, you know breaks that you put in for where there's usually a big laugh yeah, yeah. trim them down yeah <laughs> you know, trim them down <clears throat> um well i'm gonna ask you a couple more questions if that's okay also before we get out of that uh funk where can people see you uh perform your show uh okay that is a bloody brilliant question Mars. and do you know what i'm really pleased that you've asked <laughs> so um i don't know how far your listenership goes but this friday i'm doing a preview at stanley halls and mm. leave them laughing in london in south norwood and uh then uh, uh can i just read out my gig list sunday night with the brandling arms in gosforth i'm hosting a dirty dancing event let's not mention that yeah um i'm doing a preview on the 23rd of july at live theater please come to that one that's part of Jestival. And then I'm running a weekend of um, previews as part of this. It's a fringe mm. dig offshoot, a shindig offshoot called Mr. Fringe Dig. Yes. And we've got a brilliant weekend of previews at Alphabetti Theatre, the 28th and the 29th. Mm-hmm. Amazing lineup. That's awesome. Man. Harriet Dyer, yeah. Gav Webster, Seymour Mace, yeah. Lee Kyle. Like, That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Ross Briley's coming yeah. to do his show. Um, and many more. And I'm going to do mine as well on the mm-hmm. Sunday night. So. That's great, man. And so. Uh, when's your fringe show? Uh, the fr- fringe show is runs from the second to the twenty sixth, with the thirteenth and fourteenth off. So second till the twelfth, and then fifteenth till twenty sixth. I'm at the 
bottle room at the Mash House. Oh, lovely. Ten stuff. past six. Yeah. Never been with just a tonic before. Always done, done PBH the last couple of times. Yeah, nice room. So. Yeah, I went to see Chris Cantrell showing the, the Tittleminster show <laughs> yeah. a few years ago and it was fucking incredible. He is brilliant. Yeah. Um, so I can't remember the room, but I seem to remember it being a nice yes. nice enough room. So, <clears throat> um, so we've uh, we kind of alluded we talked about uh, a lot about your uh, background and stuff like that, but I, um, uh, I've got a quick question first, and I'll ask a, a personalised question. So, okay. what's the most embarrassing thing you've done for money? Are you paying for this? Po- paying for this <laughs> podcast? Uh, no. no. Uh, oh, fucking hell! Oh, I wish I'd thought of a better answer because there are. A myriad of yeah. <laughs> answers. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I mean, so many. Yeah. It's. Uh, oh, it, it doesn't have to be the the most, but just uh, maybe the most recent or anything that comes to mind. I mean, I'm hosting a Disney quiz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, hosting a Disney quiz. Um, I did get asked to host a screening of Mamma Mia yeah. and dress up. I did turn that down, but I've done screening of Dirty Dancing and a screening of Grease both times where I've not seen either film <laughs> and, and quote I was just like on Wikipedia going what's the most quotable line of the film um, so I did that uh, so that's as, pretty bad so did you was it just you by yourself or was it a gig like, I mean what, well, it then, one of the answers is dealt drugs yeah. <laughs> I mean if you're, if you're talking legally yeah, yeah. dealing drugs I've been caught by the police oh that twice and I've took the courage of two convictions um, um yeah. I also did want to ask you because the first question I wrote for you, <laughs> it's um, a bit of an odd one, but it, the first thing I wrote out was, "How posh are you?" How uh, posh am I? <laughs> and because uh, I think the reason why you're a very interesting comedian because you you have that kind of juxtaposition in your life. Because um, I think you have that kind of um, you have that posh background, uh, yeah. but also you had that rebellion in you, so you kind of have like, yeah. as you said, the Pantera shirt and the paper round. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a lovely juxtaposition yeah, yeah. there. So, um, yeah, uh, how posh are you? How posh am I? Uh, more than you. Now, well, <laughs> again, I, this is not going to be the shortest answer, but I'll, I'll do. I'll try to do it justice. It's something that I am... Um, I like the, some of the jokes about being a dad that I'm slightly reticent about because I do a joke on stage about having a butler. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a butler. Yeah. Um, so my um, mum is from a... Mum's dad died when she was eight, so mm-hmm. she grew up in a single-parent family mm-hmm. in Solihull yeah. in the West Midlands. On a te- I've been to the house she grew up in. It's a terraced house. Yeah. My dad's side of the family, he is probably what you describe as upper-middle class. Yeah. But he is from... A, Mad eccentric family, so I suppose when I, when I when I when I talk about Joe being posh, I think I don't want people to think my dad's this guy with like red or mustard cords, yeah, and like you know, uh, and like a fucking old landed gentry Tory. He's super liberal. He looks like a, a homeless. I'm not joking. He's a he's a doctor. He's yeah. quite a high up, you know, well paid doctor. He but but he got thrown out of the old the Trafford Centre in Manchester for impersonating a tramp. Oh my! Because he was on holiday with a bandana on, one of my old Guns and Roses T-shirts. Yeah. He dropped the dog's lead in the canal, so I had the dog in a bit of string, and like started wandering through a shopping centre, and they asked him to leave. Oh my! God. He's a doctor. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. He's like an eminent cancer specialist. So he looks. So and he's very liberal. Both of my parents were growing up. We lived in a big house, but it was an, it was a shithole. Mm. Like we didn't have. We never had flash cars. My dad used to drive a Renault 4, which, mm-hmm. I, I mean, that, that it was, like, insane. So we never had expensive things. We didn't have... Um, but there's no getting around the fact that, you know, that, like, we weren't poor by any stretch mm-hmm. of the imagination, but we weren't... 
a lot of the cliches, I suppose, that I think about would be well yeah. for people. I mean, what I would say is like, I'm not from the land of gentry. I'm probably somewhere between lower, upper, and upper middle. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, I've never owned a pair of jodhpurs, but I can spell it. Yeah. It's harder than you think. Um, equally, it would be disingenuous for me to try and claim any sort of working class credit yeah. credentials yeah. just because I've married down. <laughs> um, and I'm Facebook friends with our cleaner. <laughs> Uh, so yeah that's it I mean it's hard because like I can't get you know it's that thing of finding your voice or just being true to yourself I, I can't get away from the fact I'm like that yeah. I hate the fact that people hate the middle classes because I am it but I totally understand why they do yeah. lo- I've had lots of stuff in my life where I'm like incredibly lucky and had loads of opportunities opportunities I've totally fucked up mm. when my grand died she sold a house me and my sister inherited a fairly decent chunk of money my sister put hers down as a deposit on a flat in Nottingham yeah. and now owns a house I spent mine on DVDs and cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> I blew the lot. Like, oh, pretty much blew yeah. the lot. Like, all, I was at university. I got a check for you know, yeah. quite a decent yeah. amount of money. Spent a lot. I mean, I spent loads of it on friends. I'd like, yeah. you know, I'd like, oh, I'll get this, I'll get that. I bought loads of mates. I bought a mate a video camera and another oh mate. God, this, yeah. Like this sampling thing that he wanted. Took loads of people on holiday. And, you know, because I wanted them to fucking like me. Yeah. I'd always have the drugs. You know, I was the one who had drugs and would give people drugs. And then when they dried up, weirdly, those friends seemed to leave me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, very long winded answer. How posh am I? Quite posh. But not like. Yeah. I didn't go to a finishing school. I got expelled when I was 16. I ended up doing a BTEC in drama at Newcastle College. Mm-hmm. I failed a university degree. Um, so, you know, I've, I didn't go to a finishing school or anything like that. But. I, I think you're a deeply fascinating person, <laughs> honestly. Like, uh, I, um, we have to wrap up relatively soon. But um, um, before, we, uh, before we wrap up, um, on the podcast, we do a live signature. As we mentioned at the very start of the podcast, we, indeed, we talk about yeah. our signatures a little bit. Um, but we would like you to uh, do your signature. Ne- right. uh, what you need to know about me is I'm obsessed with pens. Yeah. Okay. I'm yes. pen- I've it- always got uh, at least three pens on me. That's- he says as he discovers he's only got two on him. Oh but like, I like to have different pens. I've yes. only got one here, but I'm going to use this one. Okay. This is um, a, the Pentel Sign Pen. Is it? Lovely little unit. Oh. Look at that. Um, I've got two on me actually. We're gonna, I think that one's got slightly nice ones. We'll go with that. So, um, uh, just we'll, drop the pen down really loud in front of your so, podcast recorder. Well, with the last episode with uh, Joby, he actually impersonated your uh, signature. Would you like to see it? And I tell, don't see uh, how close he got okay, it. Okay, we'll see how close it is. There we go. Uh, it's, yeah, it's nowhere near. So it's not even a signature, that's just someone writing my name in big <laughs> letters with where some of the letters are crossing over each other. Yeah. So Joe McGeans is like Donald Trump's. Oh, it is actually, yeah. Maybe he has Trump a lot, yeah. But please give us your proper signature. Oh, no, indeed. Do it, do it live. And Why have you put 20? Uh, 2.0, <laughs> 2.0, sorry. Oh, 2.0, right, right, I'm with you. Um, so I used to have an awful one, but then recently, what did I? I've messed it up. <laughs> oh, there we go. We'll go with that. Yeah. What was it? It's because so this I've developed a, a signature for my daughter, which was that. Yeah. <laughs> Quite like my oh. signature used to be that. Okay. It's just it was an H and A, and then you could tell I was just stoned and bored. Yeah. And just did a line for the rest. So I was trying to. I, can't I just like writing. That's all it was. Maybe I'll just write. Who needs my? Who needs a surname? Just go yeah. There you go. Thank you very That's much. That's yeah. a lovely little feature. The, the listeners of our podcast will be very happy to hear. <laughs> I mean, I hope they appreciated They're, the sound of that pen. Honestly, that's nice good, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's Do you know what? what? I'm going to gift you 
a Pentel pen and I'd like you really? to use that going forward. For Honestly? Signature, yeah. Oh, thank you. I'm actually really... I've touched you off. It was about 40 pence. <laughs> and I can afford it, as yeah. we've established. <laughs> he is quite posh, in all fairness. <laughs> Let me think of a good way to finish. Can you ask what's the worst thing you've ever done for money again? Uh, okay, yeah. Just got a quick question. Uh, what's the worst thing you've ever done for money? So I made a Faustian pact after much deliberation. Um, I basically went for an audition for a part in an advert <laughs> and it was down to me and one of the guys from oh 118 <laughs> the 118 advert and I, I got the job yeah and so I'm now the face of the money guru brand oh my god I can so I am the money guru uh, you can't I mean I'm, I, sh- I'm showing Matt a photo you, and most people don't know it's me which yeah, is the you, I will never uh, it looks quite feminine the features as well like uh <laughs> um, it, it was it was a real. I spoke to quite a few other comedians and said, "I have this dilemma. This is this. I'm in this position where I'm, I could get this part in this advert. Mm-hmm. It, you know, am I selling my soul? They're offering me quite a good price for yeah. my soul. Yeah, uh, it was enough to go and fund an Edinburgh show with an Airbnb. Yeah. So I was like, and so I've gone and done it. And I know that every now and again I go, "What have you done?" My sister, when she first saw the advert, was like, "That." your career over that's going to come back to haunt you but then you look at the amount of comedians now who do adverts yeah. the company isn't like then it's not tobacco arms yeah. wong or anything yeah. like that so I was like and honestly and they let me do the script yeah. they're like they try and make funny scripts and they go can you make it funny Yeah. and so I get to sort of arse around and things like that and you know what the I hate when people go oh you sold out because I don't think first I don't think any comedian thinks like that anymore mm-hmm. I think they think well oh, it's just a heart back to Bill Hicks yeah, I think you know that's but, that's but even like Bill Hicks's routines I think is along the lines of he, he wasn't saying absolutely no adverts whatsoever it was just mm-hmm. like because uh, he has um, he, he used to have really bad eczema uh, but he said he would do an advert for the eczema thing he used really so, so, <laughs> but people misinterpreted it to oh mm-hmm. all adverts are bad but so you do like kids TV or <laughs> <laughs> uh, if fish they have fr- fish and fries <laughs> but, uh, but <laughs> if they have me uh, uh, but um, yeah but I do think the landscape has changed because like wait, it's a lot harder to get paid gigs anymore it's not yeah. the money isn't there anymore it's not the 90s yeah. we don't have the luxury to say no to these things so yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think you can judge people harshly no, I that. did a gig in Huddersfield last week which was a lovely gig and I'm really pleased I'm doing it I'm not in any way ungrateful but there was a point where on the way back I went it was like 240 mile round trip I realised that once I'd taken out my petrol and the duck hoisin wrap and the yeah. bottle of San Pellegrino I was in negative equity yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> it was a lovely gig and, I, and I, again I, I, I would do it again this week mm-hmm. if I was offered because it was a nice gig I met other comedians it's one of those things where you hope that someone would go I already enjoyed it I'll mm-hmm. get you back and do it again and mm-hmm. maybe get a slightly better paid spot but um, but yeah I don't I don't really make money from I don't do enough gigs yeah. to make money from stand up I make I do make some money but I don't not enough to earn a li- living mm-hmm. well we'll finish here so that's why that's sweet sweet guru <laughs> <laughs> hey Matt like you know it's it's um, I think it's I think anyone that ever give you a hard time has uh, you know they, I think it's the, you're picking on the wrong yeah, you're yeah, picking yeah. the wrong fight there yeah you know exactly so, I'll finish with this final question. Thank okay. you for coming on. Uh, Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Sorry, I don't feel like being that funny. But no, I'm no. Quite candid. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> uh, that makes... Uh, no, I, um, no it's, it's, it's a pleasure to hear you talk. And where can people find you online? And, uh, uh, so, I've got uh, Twitter is at Hal Branson. I've got a Facebook page, which is Ha Ha 
Hal Branson. <laughs> and I have got a website coming soon, but who uses websites anymore? What sort of... Do check out <laughs> www.mathoscomedy.com. <laughs> oh, well, well, that one, obviously. But um, uh, Yeah, I've got halbranson.com, but it's not up yet. Just Twitter and Facebook are the best places. Instagram, if you want to see pictures of my adorable daughter. Go there. See, I must agree mistake. with that, but I can't, can't, can't. I can't leave. I can't. <laughs> so I'll finish off with this question. You could window shop, <laughs> but don't come in the shop. <laughs> the shutters are down. <laughs> the problem is, she's really fit. That's the. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Right, come and ask this question. I need to go and host the Disney quiz. So, has comedy improved or made your life worse? Is this like on the spot, one one answer? Improved, definitely. Improved. Um, I'll tell you... uh, Okay, so it is... Fucking hold on. Comedy, I'd say, has improved my life overall. It's up and down, obviously. Mm -hmm. But a few years ago, in 2013, I had uh, quite a bad patch of mental illness where again I was in the care of the crisis team and all the rest of it and a lot of it was all to do with identity I've been doing like when I got married my wife's parents were like what does he do and no I couldn't sort of say what I do some people I tell them I was a teacher because I used to go and do filmmaking (coughs) sessions with kids in schools and things like that and and I was a tour guide at the BBC but I was like I've not found what I want to do and there was a point where I thought I'd been doing bits of comedy I was in a sketch group called Hot Gulp so we Mm. did I did comedy I'd never lots of people said oh you should do stand up but I just never did it because I thought well if I don't do it I won't fail and what I got to the po- realising is that I wanted to get to the point where I could legitimately if someone said what do you do I could say I'm a comedian and feel that I wasn't bluffing or yeah. like that I was you know that I was doing and I feel I am at that point now if someone asks me what I do I say I'm a comedian and I feel it's fairly genuine I mean yeah. again it's a broad church but um, no, yeah, I would that's, agree. that's what I do um, and I'll tell you one quick anecdote before we go. Yeah. So when I was in the care of the mental health team, this crisis team, because he was sort of suicide risk, they they send out lots of people, some of whom I don't know why they work in yeah. mental health. Like yeah. <laughs> you have brilliant people, but then they, there was one day they sent this woman out, and she was saying, "What's so what's wrong with like what's going on? What, what's wrong with you, Hal? What's what, what's what's going on?" And I was like in the middle of like a serious like mental health crisis, and so we're sort of babbling as I have been doing throughout yeah. this podcast, but. But, and I was like, I, I don't know, like I haven't got a job and I don't know what I want to do and I'm like, I don't know about my, my identity and da, da. Now, previous to this, Beth, my partner, was there and she, she'd asked Beth what she did for a job and Beth said that she'd worked at an advertising company and how one of their big clients was Beth365. So that planted something in her mm-hmm. head. So then she got to me and said, what's going on? And I said, oh, you know, I, I mentioned something about not having a job and my and like this identity crisis. And she turned around and went, well, why don't you get a job in a boogies? Get a job in a boogies? <laughs> Like, I mean, it's great advice, <laughs> and I'm not being a snob, yeah. but I, I imagine me in Ladbrokes trying to push tiny wooden pencils into my eye because I was suicidal. <laughs> Probably isn't what what your average, you know, gambler is looking for. It had stops for it, but odds for it. Like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, odds. Will hell make it through this shit? <laughs> um, well. Hey man, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. But also, thank you for being really honest as well, man. It's an absolute pleasure. I really enjoyed doing your podcast. (laughs) Thank you, Hal. Thank you very much to Hal Branson for coming on the podcast. Also, a small thank you to Joby McGinn for um, not interrupting the podcast, but was involved in the production of uh, 
he was he was caught in the crossfire of the podcast recording. Yeah, it was a pleasure to have them both on, and they're both very funny. Uh, and also another thank you to the stand in Newcastle for allowing us to record there. Um, and yeah, I'm gonna keep it short this uh, this month because I uh, I'm quite busy, but uh, I would really want to chat to you about Edinburgh. Hopefully, Hal persuaded you to see him for his debut hour at Just a Tonic. All the details are there. Uh, but I, I really want to encourage any fans of this podcast to uh, see some of the previous people uh, on the show. For example, people... I, I might miss a couple of people here, but uh, I would recommend you to see people like Stuart Goldsmith, George Rigdon, um, Sean McLaughlin, Archie Maddox, Kelsey and Fiona from Episode 7 are doing um, separate shows. I think Kelsey's doing a solo show, Fiona's doing a two-hander as well. I think Constantine from SO3 um, is also up in Edinburgh as well. Uh, Lee Kyle's doing his third show, um, but he told me to tell you to not see his show. Uh, but I'd recommend you see it anyway, because it's probably very good. Uh, yeah, so, and that's just a couple of people. And uh, they're all brilliant, and they're all going to be doing a really amazing shows. So do check them out. And I would also like to plug my own show as well. Or should I say, my own shows. Uh, I'm doing my main show, which is uh, a two-hander with Nigel Lovell, which is called Lovell's Labour's Host. And it's uh, 7 to 8 p.m. Uh, at the Free Broomsticks on Southbridge. Do come along and see that. That's free. Uh, starting from the 4th to the 25th. Do come along, because we would really love you to come. And to be honest, we kind of... We would love you to come and fill out that room. It'd be great to have you on board. On top of that, I'm running two compilation shows. The first one is at 10.30am, and that is at Henderson's on 94 Hanover Street, a little vegetarian restaurant, and we're doing Viva Last Vegan Showcase there. So every single day, we've got brand new vegan acts coming on, and uh, we've got some really top-level people. Uh, so do come along on that and check that out as well. Uh, on top of that, um, we have, on the evening, 22.45 uh, for an hour, we have got... Um, just a general uh, stand-up showcase with some of my best friends in the comedy industry from up and down the country, all doing slots, and it's going to be really, really fun. Uh, so, a lot of different moods and times and genres, uh, well, not genres, but uh, different inclinations of comedy, so I think it's going to be really good fun, and it's all free as well, so just, you know, give it a go, and with the compilation shows, you can definitely see it once, or t- like, see it several times, if you know what I mean. And if you aren't going up to Edinburgh, but you know someone who is, please share those recommendations as well. Because I would really love to hear from you personally, or you know, if you can get, if you can persuade one person to come along and see the show, um, you're not doing a good enough job. Sell harder, sell faster. Okay, do my bidding, please. Um, and on top of that, I am. Um, you might know that I run a uh, a comedy club chain called Viva Las Vegans. In the autumn, we're going to be doing a massive um, expansion. So in the Midlands, in the North, uh, into Scotland as well, we're doing loads of brand new shows. We've got places in Hull, Leeds, Nairsborough, York, um, Nottingham, Leicester, Coventry. We're all over the place in a great way, like the opposite of herpes. And we are, uh, we do, what, if you don't know what these shows are, it's basically vegan comedians um, alongside vegan food. It's not pretentious, it's really inclusive, it's very, very fun and very intimate night. 
And you can check all those out at www.madhousecomedy.com slash vegans uh, Or just go on the website and, search and look at the top bar. Um, all those dates are on there. And we have some quality headliners there too. So do check those out if you want to see more of me. There will be an Edinburgh episode coming up very soon. And I've got lots of uh, bookings in the diary as well. The people I, I am truly looking forward to chatting to. Um, but yeah, I hope you have a lovely summer. I hope um, you have, a, have enjoyed this podcast. And I look forward to seeing you next month. Take care, Adam Miles. Bye.